Hi, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Always Loyal Podcast, the postseason edition. Unfortunately, the offseason edition. Jordan Carruth, what are we chatting about today? Uh, Darren, we're going to chat about the end of the season. We'll recap the match that happened Sunday night against Oakland Roots. This is definitely one of those times where I'm very happy that we don't have to do a show immediately following a game. We get a couple hours to digest everything. So we'll do just that. We'll recap an entire season next on the Always Loyal Pod. Stone Buena Mesa Salt and Lime Lager is brewed with real lime and a touch of sea salt. It's the perfect beer for enjoying in the summer sun. Stone Brewing, also proud to be a longtime partner of the Surfrider Foundation San Diego chapter dedicated to the protection and enjoyment of the world's oceans, waves, and beaches. That's why for every six pack of Buena Mesa Salt, Stone is donating $2 to Surfrider. You can visit find.stonebrewing.com to track down Buena Mesa near you. Do Buena live weather well not the podcast we were hoping for as we were both there torero stadium amongst six thousand of our friends what was a very energetic emotional unforgettable day in san diego sports i do have to say that it was really disappointing <laughs> when you go through the events of the day on sunday october 23rd i'm not gonna soon forget that jordan between the padres being eliminated Wave being eliminated in Portland, thinking, well, we've got to get a winner here somewhere. How about Loyal against Oakland Roots at Torero Stadium at 7 p.m.? But not to be, as you mentioned. Loyal nil, Oakland Roots three, a good season spoiled by one postseason performance. That's the way this goes sometimes. Yeah, the tone was set pretty early in the day. Um, most people in San Diego, at least sports fans in San Diego, were very much paying attention to the fact that the Padres, the Wave, and Loyal were all playing on the same day, uh, so much so that Wave uh, posted about it, Loyal posted about it as well, and just gearing up for it. And then we saw what happened with the Padres in the morning, and then you just you see just a stunning goal in the Wave match. That changes everything for the local club. And so it, it kind of rolls into Sunday night and you're just thinking, okay, this is either going to be something we can celebrate and it, it's kind of, it will take a little bit of an edge off of the entire day, or it's just going to be like a fitting end to what today has been so far. And unfortunately for everyone here in town, as we know, it, it just kind of was, it summed up that, that final match was a, it was a doozy and it, it kind of just summed up the whole day. Didn't it? Yeah, it, it really did. I mean, I, you hate to lump all this stuff together. I know it's called the Always Loyal Podcast, but you even had people around town, Jordan, let's say people who prioritize other stuff. You know, you and I, we sit here, we prioritize this sport. We've loved it. We've been podcasting about it, involved with the club since its inception. But you could even sort of see people around town who are San Diego sports fans, and you know, maybe they like other things. Maybe they like baseball a little bit more, college athletics or what have you. They're like, well, hey, at least we got loyal here perhaps to save the day on Sunday night. And it just, I don't know how to explain it. I really, really don't. It just, it's one of those you'll, you'll, I remember that I'll remember the events of those days, but we'll focus in on loyal here. And as I said, it was a really good season Two seed in the Western conference, Oakland roots, which essentially backed into the postseason. Mm. You think to yourself as dangerous as they were. And we chronicled this last week with the problems Loyal has had for whatever reason. I can't wrap my mind around it. Why it is that this club presents such problems for San Diego Loyal. But man, between a card-happy referee, 
one really great goal from Roots, one horrible mistake from Loyal, and then just the chaos of the second half. I got to admit, if you were going to tell me ahead of time that Loyal was going to lose this one and get knocked out of the 2022 postseason, I don't know that I would have believed all the details that you and I are about to no. jump into because, my goodness, no. who could predict that Loyal would be down to eight men by the end of the match and they would be outscored three goals to none at home? Yeah, usually the commentary uh, is reserved for baseball games where you never know what to expect. You can show up to a game and you might see something you've never seen before. That's something you hear baseball fans say a lot. That applied to what happened Sunday night at Torero Stadium. I don't care how many soccer games you've gone to. I, it's very rare to see what happens Sunday night. You don't see a team go down to eight men. And specifically, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine about this who has seen a ton of games in his life all over the world. He's like, that is no doubt the first time I've seen three red cards from the same team and not a single straight red was involved. So usually you hear baseball fans kind of talk about show up to the ballpark and not, maybe you'll see something new. We saw something new when we showed up to Torero. I, I don't think the tone, what happened earlier in the day, I don't think that carried over to Torero stadium. I was actually really happy with how the place sounded, the energy that was there. As soon as you kind of walked in, I think the energy was there. I think the atmosphere was ready. I don't think people were, were down from what happened earlier in the day. I think people were ready to kind of save the day. And I think it was, for a majority of the match, a really good match. I think it's a really bad matchup for San Diego. I think we've kind of talked about that a couple times on this podcast. Um, of the, like, eight teams that Loyal could have possibly played uh, going down the stretch, Oakland, I think I would have picked eighth out of eight. Like, that was the last team I wanted to see. Oakland's the type of team that can go on a run here in the postseason even against teams not named San Diego. Like this is a team that you might see in the Western conference final. Like they are good enough and they play it in a way that they can go on a run in this kind of format. So it, I think it was just tough across the board. I, I think the day itself was tough. I think the matchup was tough. I think the way that it finished was really, really tough. And we'll talk all about it, unfortunately in detail. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know that the events of baseball and NWSL had anything to do with it whatsoever. And I, I do want to say that about the crowd as well, because that's as good a crowd, I think, as we have seen at Torero Stadium. And we've seen them all. We've been there since March 7th of 2020. But Jordan, I would even point out, too, as good as the crowd was early on and Loyal had uh, towels for everybody, which you know, sort of became a little bit of a thing here around town. I loved it. But even after that great goal, right, that that opens up the scoring in the game, from Charlie Dennis, I want to say, of Oakland Roots. He scores a really, really good goal. Like, that was a freaking banger where right foot, left foot, half volley, nothing you could do if you're Coke Vegas. I had a perfect view of that from where I was. I was pretty much right behind the goal, so I got to see that in great detail. And if you've seen the highlights, you know, that was pretty special there. But even after that, that came in the 36th minute, Loyal's down, one goal to none at home. And, and even then, the crowd really responded. I don't know if you noticed that moment, too. The crowd, everybody stood up, started waving their towels after Oakland scored. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think the events of the day had anything to do with it. It's just one of those cosmic sort of coincidences. And, and maybe the San Diego sports lot in life coming out in full display. But, but even then, nobody was willing to throw in the, the towel. No pun intended about the you know, towels given out. I mean, if anything, that made the crowd get up and cheer even louder for San Diego Loyal, knowing now that it was going to take two, you know, that they were going to have to score, that they were going to have to press the action. And, you know, for the most part in the first half, Loyal did create some great chances on that West side. Uh, put the ball on target a couple of times. You know, I, I thought that they were playing okay. But, yeah, uh, ultimately then as we get into the second half, your point is is spot on. 
I've not been to as many as, as whomever it is you were chatting with, but man, I don't know that I'll ever see one like that again, where you see a playoff game and you see a couple of yellow cards that seemed innocent enough and in the normal flow of play in the first half and then six, I think it was actually seven yellow cards. We couldn't even by the time of this recording on a Tuesday, a couple of days after, we couldn't even figure out exactly how many cards it was. One was shown to the bench that wasn't in the official match report, one to one of the assistant coaches there. But as far as the players go, it was two in the first half, it was second in the second half, four loyal specifically, and three red cards with Thomas Among sent off, Alejandro Guido sent off, and then Grant Stoneman sent off in the 88th minute as well. And uh, I thought it was, was really just a, a rough way it's as bad a way to end a season as, as you could imagine. Yeah. Energy was there. Uh, a sellout crowd. The, the announcement of a sellout crowd was made earlier in the week. Nearly 6,000 people showed up Sunday night at Torero. It was the first upset that we saw in the Western conference. Um, we saw one upset in the Eastern conference. It was the final match of the entire weekend. That slot reserved for San Diego. Um, a win Sunday night would have guaranteed another home match for San Diego, which Again, missed opportunity, of course, because we talked to Andrew Vasiliadis about it a couple of weeks ago on this very podcast, what the goals were. The next step that he saw were, was getting all the way, at least to the Western Conference final, potentially hosting one of those uh, down the road. We can go over the match itself. Um, I went in, I thought I, I walked in um, and caught up with Darren pretty quickly before the match even kicked off. And I remember talking to him as we were walking around the concourse saying, like, I, it feels like the first goal is going to matter a lot in this one, which is an easy thing to say, but I think it especially mattered. It's a playoff game. You're at home. You want the crowd to, not that the crowd disappeared was we just laid out. They did not, but you, I mean, if you go up early on in a playoff game at home, like it, it really sets the stage for the party to begin and you can kind of feed off of that. So I thought it was really important and Oakland gets the first goal. And so my mindset becomes, okay, it's still early. The goal happens in the first half. At least that's the case. You have plenty of time to come back, score again. We were always going to need to score at least one goal anyway, to win this thing. So uh, that nothing changed there. You were still going to have to score at least one. Not, and like you said a little bit earlier, not much Coke Vegas could do with that first goal at all. Like, I don't know what a great know. goal. It was Amazing. a really, really great goal. Really good goal. Second goal, Oakland. Kyle Adams, soft touch, trying to pass it to Coke Vegas, allows Roots to pounce. They do just that. They get a foot to it. Um, they get the ball away from Coke, and then it's just an easy tap in to make it 2 nothing. And at that point, you're down two against a team like Oakland. That's a huge ask, especially in the postseason when they know they're just going to lock things up. But we, we've seen Loyal rally before. So like it was still at least like, okay, I, we got 30 minutes here. Can we get some magic going? Kyle Vassell didn't start. He came off the bench. Maybe he can create. But that second goal, that's just, just tough because you know you're taking on a, a team like Oakland. It's just, like I said, it's a huge ask. The expectations were really high. And I think at, at that point in the match, frustrations are starting to come out. Yeah. And, you know, it's an, it's interesting, right? Because you look at the chronology of it. And, you know, I happen to be on that side of the field. You know, I did a little bit of a, you and I sort of were like ships in the night. We walked in, we hung out together for a little while. I spent most of the first half behind the supporter section. You went over to the west side and then we sort of swapped. You came back to the east side. I went over to the west and I was watching Kyle Vassell warming up there. He started warming up right when the second half started. And he was dealing with something, Jordan. I want to say it was a little bit of an ankle situation there with Kyle Vassell. I think under under perfect conditions, he would have started. Keep in mind, too, Loyal was without Jack Blake, who wasn't as eligible. They were without Moon. These are two key players now for them. And again, not trying to 
to be the house organ player here and make excuses, but they were without Jack Blake and they were without moon. Those are, those are pretty important pieces. And, and, you know, they had a little bit of limitation with Kyle Vassell, but I was right behind where he's warming up, you know, exactly where it is at Torero stadium. I'm thinking, okay, this is what you need. A little bit of energy, a little bit of toughness here. And, you know, then the second goal goes in from Oakland and you're still thinking, Okay, right. What's that classic phrase in soccer? The two goal lead is like the worst lead to have because you don't know whether to keep pressing. You don't know whether to sit back and you think well, it's the most know. dangerous lead. And Shannon McMillan brought it up on the broadcast. This is a dangerous lead, especially with this much time. And she was spot on with that. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, now here comes Kyle in the 55th minute, right? Just a couple of minutes after Oakland scores for the second time. And you go, that's a lot of match. Life. You know, that's like 30 something plus minutes and stoppage time at home. And here comes the dude who's been leading you all season long in Kyle Bissell. And you still got a Mong out there. And, and, you know, you can sort of see Oakland now is, is caught in between. What are we doing? Do we keep wanting to press? Do we want to just sit back? You know, and, and we sort of, you know, they start making substitutions now. So, you know, they're starting to think about how to kill the match off, but that's a ton of time. And it, you know, it didn't feel over. I didn't love Loyal's chances in that spot, but I certainly think the match was done and dusted. But so I had not lost hope in that point mm. at that point of the game. And also you think San Diego is a team that has scored as many goals as pretty much anyone in the yep. league. So if there's a team that can do this, it's it's this team. Now, are the odds against them? Clearly, but are they capable? Yes. Yeah, that's sort of the way I felt. Maybe it's a little bit of wishful thinking, but I was also right. listening to people that I was around, you know, and, and I got to say this, you know, again, and, and, and I'm guessing people aren't, you know, I don't know that they do or don't listen to this podcast, but I will say I continue to be so impressed by the knowledge, by the sport, by the soccer knowledge that you hear at Torero Stadium. You know, for second division USL championship soccer, people know the names, people know who's playing, people know who's available off the bench, people know who's not available, and people also know the sport. Because I was listening to a gentleman who was right next to me, English accent, and he was describing to his girlfriend or his wife or whomever, He's like, yeah, well, this is what's happening now. This is the opportunity. So, you know, the six of us are having this conversation about opportunities, but obviously Jordan, everything changes in the, in the 76 minute, you know, you know, I think that's when really the air came out of the balloon for me. And I think for a lot of other people as well with what happened with the referees, with Thomas among an off ball foul, which sort of was confusing in itself because loyal has possession currently and the referee stops playing and he gives a yellow card to Thomas among. And then the fuse gets lit and he loses his cool. And yes, there was a little bit of acting going on on behalf of Oakland roots, but they did what they had to do. And they got among out of the game. And you know, I know we can talk about the referee who was card happy, who issued a bunch, but the majority of them were in the second half, but even at, you know, Oh, two down at home, I still felt like the energy was there. Crowd was into it. The right guys coming off the bench and loyal was very much in the match. But then the match completely went the wrong direction for Loyal right there in the mid-70s when Amon gets yellow carded, second yellow card within a minute. Guido, who picked up a yellow card in the first half, six minute for, for nothing I ever really remember. He gets sent off for arguing, for dissent, is the way the match report officially classified that. Didn't even see it. I mean, it sort of, you had to reevaluate and go, Wait a minute, how many players are out there right now? Mm-hmm. Guido gets sent off, you know, and then at the end of the match, Grant Stallman, I don't know what to say about, you know, what Grant mm-hmm. Stallman did. Picking up a card in the 84th and 88th minute, it seems like he was determined to be sent off, and he was. And uh, I don't know that Coke Vegas would have appreciated that with a third goal being rolled in there in the 91st. 
but you know, that's the way that ended, you know, it still very much felt like a match, you know, even, even with like 30 minutes to go, it felt like oil was somehow still in this right up into the point where they were not right. Things uh, completely spiraled in the 76 minute, the match spiraled out of control. The team spiraled uh, out of the match. Things just spiraled out of control rather quickly. Thomas Among, 76 minute. Here's here's the first of three red cards to happen for San Diego. Among is clearly frustrated in this moment. He's not happy. He's frustrated because there's a lot of expectation, I think, on the season. There's frustration with what has played out in that match. And there's frustration with what's happening with the officials throughout what has been 76 minutes so far. He's frustrated. He already has a yellow. He walks directly at a roots player, pointing a finger at him, puts his hand in the player's face. He makes contact with that player. That player goes down. People can make fun of the fact whether he flopped or not. Go for it. It doesn't matter. It's going to put you straight in a position to be sent off in a playoff game down two goals. So Among is done. He's sent off. Alejandro Guido, I'm still trying to figure out what exactly happened with Alejandro Guido. It did not come across on the broadcast. Um, I've asked a few people. I don't know. 76 minute. He gets another yellow card. He gets sent off. Um, refs, you suck chance start from the stands. That goes on for a while. Water bottles get thrown onto the field. Play is stopped at this point. Red cards are being shown. Multiple players from San Diego Loyal are walking off the field, sent off in the home playoff game. And then the match is delayed momentarily because water bottles and other beverages are being thrown on the field. Spiraling at Torero Stadium. Eventually, by the time the match is done, three red cards, not a single straight red, and you are in shock. Yeah, the whole place unraveled. I think that's the right way to say it. I mean, we love our friend Nate Abarea, but you know what? I don't want to hear from Nate. Hey, fans, reminder don't throw anything out of the pitch, onto the field of play. Let's be respectful of what's happening out there. Somebody could get hurt, for goodness sake. I don't want to hear Nate have to make that. You know, I understand and I appreciate everybody's passion. From the time the match started to, as I said, after Roots goes up by a goal and the place responds and is trying to get behind the players and make sure everybody knows like we're still here, even at 0-2 down still, everybody seemingly is into it and people are talking about how Loyal gets back into this, right? The next goal will be the most important goal here. If you could have it, then you got some opportunities. Then you know you're going to be on the front foot for the rest of the match and you'll hear it all. Cause, But yeah, I mean, that's, that just, you know, that, that, that all changed. You know, you could hear it. You know, it, it wasn't just where you're watching, you know, the unfortunate projectile come flying out of the stands. You know, you could hear it where I was. Yeah, I was on the south side of the stadium at that point, and you could hear people yelling about the ref. You could hear them yelling towards the ref, towards the assistant ref. So you, you could hear all of that. And, you know, again, it was sort of tough to understand it. I mean, I'm still sort of searching for what it was that Amon did to get the first yellow. Totally agree with your point. Yes, of course, the Roots player went down. But you know, I've also seen loyal players do this, too. You can't put your finger in his face like that and make contact because then he's going to go down and the referee then is left with no choice but to give him that second yellow card. It was the first one that was confusing to me, especially because it was off ball and play was stopped as a result. Guido said something. That's as, that's as much as I know, is that Guido said something and he said enough, I guess, in the eyes of the referee or the ears of the referee, as the case might be that he said, hey, uh, Alejandro, have yourself a night. And at that point, it's over. It's done. All that needs to be done there is, is the final tally and how many goals would be scored and who else might be sent off, which was Grant Stoneman, which, you know, again, I thought was really disappointing. I think all of them were disappointing. If I'm being honest, 
you know, heat of the moment, understand it, emotions, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, especially Grant Stoneman, who's been here since day one, it sort of looked like he was just making a point to tackle people, like literally football, gridiron football, tackle people to get himself sent off because he just didn't want to be a part of it anymore. And, right. you know, I, again, I, that was disappointing. It was disappointing for all three players to see it end the way it ended. But, you know, that one at the end for me was, was, you know, gosh, it just, you expect more for somebody who's been here since day one, um, you know, and, and obviously that's the story of the match, you know, at that point it's over, it's done. I mean, it's done in the, you know, the 75th, 77th minute. I mean, there's still, I give Kyle Bissell credit. He tried a bicycle kick overhead kick, you know, they still had a couple of opportunities here. So, you know, the, the quit wasn't widespread across the board from oil, but everybody sort of sensed it here. The reality set in right there, you know, by the time the 78th minute rolled around. Yeah. Yeah. That's when the season ended. The season ended in the 76th minute yep. of the quarterfinal round yep. of the playoffs. And it's not the first time that loyal has been frustrated with the refs and it's not going to be the last time that they're frustrated with the refs. Um, that's just kind of what happens in sports, especially at this level. So we'll talk about the entire season. We'll recap the good, the bad, uh, kind of try to put a bow on the entire year. What we learned, like it was a step forward. I really do believe that. I mean, we have to focus on what just happened Sunday night there in that opening segment. I, I think they take a step forward uh, offensively. We mapped it out the last couple of episodes, the amount of goals they scored finishing second out West. So we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the entire season itself, the good, the bad, Red, Darren, red cards, I mean, it's not just like red cards popped up out of nowhere Sunday night, you know, like red cards. We've talked about this on the podcast before specifically. I think it was with Sean Kelly, um, how red cards, like, you know what? The amount of red cards they get, like, this is something like if it pops up in the postseason, that's a very damaging. Now, it's not the reason, like, they didn't lose mm -hmm. because of the red cards, but I think the red cards were a result of all the frustrations and also the expectations. So, Plus, playing shorthanded, too, has to be considered there. I mean, you know you're without – certain key pieces of the puzzle here in Blake and in moon and that the cell is somewhat limited. Mm -hmm. So even from that standpoint, I think it becomes even more important to remember, <laughs> you know, let's not get in a situation here where we're putting this in the referee's hands. We could talk all day about the referee. That's fine. You know, maybe the referee lost control of the match. I certainly think that there's room in the conversation for it, but when you let it get to the point where the referee can make this kind of impact on a game, then, you know, I think that, you know, that's when you have to somewhat look in the mirror as well. You know, you can't let the referee be that much of a factor in this. And Thomas Among left it up to the referee. And frankly, the referee, I don't think had much of a choice. And then from there, everything just completely unraveled afterwards. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the season as a whole after this. San Diego Community Power is a not-for-profit public agency committed to providing clean, renewable energy at competitive rates and investing in innovative programs that benefit our communities. You can visit sdcommunitypower.org to learn more about cleaner energy choices. All right, Darren, we, uh, we focused on the final match of the season Sunday night against Oakland. Let's, let's talk about the season as a whole. There was good. There was some bad. This was a long one. This was the longest one yet, and it at times you kind of, you picked up on that. You noticed how, how different it is playing a 16 game season versus a 34 game. Plus for the first time ever, we got to play an open cup this year. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun this season. Uh, I've been dealing with this a lot, Jordan, as you can imagine, especially on radio about trying to balance out how enjoyable a uh, run was a regular season run, a postseason run, et cetera. Unfortunately, I really, it was hoping that if we were going to be, podcasting about the disappointment of a postseason loss that was going to come after picking up the club's first ever postseason win, something the club still will now be searching for 
heading into season number four, but it was a record setting season on so many fronts, whether it was goals scored, whether it was points picked up, finishing second in the West, finishing second comfortably in the West as well. Let's remember that too. I know we'll, we'll get into this about how the season ended and whether or not it was reminiscent of what we saw in 2021, but it was, it was record setting set the league mark for goals scored in the Western conference as well. Uh, had a lot of people buying into what it was. I remember preseason, you and I talking with Nate Miller, the assistant coach. I think that this philosophy, I really, really like this philosophy. This was the roster primarily that we saw throughout the span of the season. There wasn't a lot of players coming in and out alone. Players that you thought, okay, this is good. This is reliable. Then all of a sudden an MLS club calls a player back. I really like this, the stability of having a Vassell. The stability of having somebody like Evan Conway, who I thought was just terrific this year. Obviously, there's going to be change. There's always change. The one that we know about is Jack Metcalf for sure. That's the only one that we can sit here and, and say today for sure. We know is not going to come back, but I'm, I'm sure there will be others. Um, you know, we'll, we'll wait. We'll see how it unfolds. Somebody will get an opportunity to go play someplace else. But yeah, I'm going to believe that that the core, that the you know the majority of of these players will return in 2023 but i did i had a lot of fun i think this was the style that landon and nate and the entire staff wanted to see i think their commitment financially really paid off in terms of of success and and playing in big matches and beating a san antonio and beating tampa some of the playoff caliber clubs that are still in there that might go ahead and win the usl cup you mentioned the open cup going up to carson california was just a blast maybe my favorite podcast all season so yes, as disappointing as it was, uh, overwhelmingly, I you know I can't help but think that this season I'm not going to think fondly of what it was the 34 regular season matches. It just stinks when it ends this way because mm. you, you had started thinking about what the next couple of weeks were going to look like. Yeah, definitely plenty of good hot start. Six wins in the first seven matches for San Diego, which is very different than what happened 2021, which was four consecutive losses out of the gates. Which I mean, there's plenty of time to make up. Uh, that ground and that's exactly what san diego did but that was something we paid attention to this year we wanted to see if, if that would duplicate itself we even asked nate miller about it he chatted about that and getting off to a hot start six wins opening seven matches that was really good middle was really good june and july very good for san diego seven wins in those two months alone they beat hartford they beat indy 11 they beat orange county twice uh, they beat Colorado twice in that stretch. That's a playoff team that's still alive, advancing to the semis of the Western Conference playoffs. A win against RGV in that stretch as well. So hot start, really good in the middle. Uh, you got a win in early August against San Antonio. That was a 3-0 win. That was convincing. That, that left people feeling really, really good. October was completely different. Zero wins, two draws, two losses. Things started to turn a little bit in October. They were outscored 7-0 in the final two matches. I don't know how much to throw into that final match against Sacramento. Um, I'm just kind of throwing some numbers out there, but seven nil in the final two matches combined between that match against Sacramento and Oakland, they gave up three goals per match in that final month, which mm. not ideal. That's something we talked about. We, we did see goals go up this year. We also saw goals allowed go up this year as well. Yeah. The most recent wins for San Diego, Las Vegas, El Paso, Monterey, and uh, none of those three teams made the playoffs. So if you want to go back and circle like your your best game most recently, I think it's that 3-0 win against San Antonio, and that was in early August. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, this is something I've wondered myself, and and uh, it's 
Landon Donovan and Nate Miller, I'm sure they've probably considered this, but you know, when you go back and, and maybe these are just coincidences here, but when you go back last season, Jordan, 2021, you look at the last couple of matches played by loyal, obviously getting eliminated in the postseason in San Antonio. That's where the season ended last year. Before that though, they finish in reverse chronological, a chronological order, draw, loss, loss, draw this season, 2022 final three regular season matches, a draw at Orange County, a draw at New Mexico United, uh, against New Mexico United, loss at Sacramento. Again, I don't know what to put into that. You couldn't catch them. You couldn't get caught. Sort of a hard thing to motivate players for. And then losing uh, by three goals at home to Oakland. Last win was September 24th. Is there something to that about ending the season, having not had the taste of victory recent as you head into the postseason? I don't know. You know, I really don't know. You talk about form heading into the postseason. There was no club hotter than RGV heading into the postseason. Nobody was hotter. That's why they were such a popular pick to pick off uh, Colorado Springs. Didn't happen. But there was literally no club in the USL hotter than RGV heading into the postseason, and they got picked off, and, and that wasn't even close. So I don't really know what to make of, of form other than we've only had two trips to the postseason, and, and both times you sort of look, and it's in the back of your mind. Is it easy to flip a switch here and you know get you set and get you ready? Uh, is it is it easy to do that sort of stuff if you're a really really good team? How hard is it to motivate down the stretch? But you know, I don't want to say it was deja vu, but there were some similarities to the end of 2021 and the end of 2022. Something maybe for the coaching staff just to think about. Maybe they ask some of their leaders, ask a guy like a Charlie Adams and Alejandro Guido if there's anything to that. Or the flip side is maybe you better be careful what you wish for. Maybe. Maybe wanting to see Oakland, <laughs> maybe that's just a bad matchup, like you said. Maybe there's a reason why you've beaten Oakland one time ever in the two years that they've been in existence. Mm-hmm. I, I will give them a little bit of credit. I thought they traveled pretty well. Um, oh, they sold out their away section. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. They traveled I, very it's well. It's a good fan base. You know, I, I, I sat there saying to myself, I really want to hate these guys. But, um, you know, I, I mean, maybe that's the rivalry. Right. I mean, when this sort of stuff happens during the postseason and you're both in California, Northern California, Southern California thing. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that crossed your mind at all about the way it ended in 2021 and the way it ended in 2022. Totally different clubs, though. Totally different clubs. Situations were different last year. Corey Herzog sort of MIA at the end of 2021. I think that probably was was a little bit under uh, underreported. Um, you know, and then this year, you, you for the most part had them. I mean, Blake's important. Moon's important. Vassell important. But maybe there's something about the way these regular these regular seasons end, you know that that you know, you know that for you, 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 you I don't say lose your way because you did so much winning during the regular season, but you know maybe there's just you know something about you know it's been a while, it's been a minute since you won a match. Yeah, I I was just really not happy when I saw Oakland finishing in seventh place, and that was the one team that I was like, ah, they needed help. They, you know, uh, they needed a result in Vegas for them even to be into the postseason to qualify. Yeah. They were the last team in the West to qualify. Yeah. I don't know what to make of the, the final stretch. I think each match is, yeah. you kind of, you have to take it individually. Like that Sacramento right. match, I don't know if we were all in on that one. It's tough. I don't know. But I, I something else that I don't know what to make of, and maybe you can help me with this, is the amount of red cards that San Diego saw this year. I don't think it's a bad thing when clubs get red cards. So don't confuse what I'm about to say. But we're just kind of looking at a season as a recap. San Diego finished with the most red cards in the league, 12 and 35 regular season games, 34 
34 regular season games, you get the additional playoff game. So 35 total 12. That's uh that's more than one red card every three matches, which mm. is, that's a lot. That's a lot, right? That feels like a lot to me. Um, you can throw out those red cards that we saw against Oakland Sunday night. If you want, if you're like, Hey, that's three red cards at once. That's not fair. Fine. Throw them out. You still led the Western conference in red cards. So that's, a, I, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Um, I think it's a bad thing in the postseason, probably if you're, if you're picking up red cards, cause you're probably not going to win that game. Um, but there was, there, there were several moments where there was like heated moments. It felt like we saw that, that match against Phoenix where like a water bottle was thrown at San Diego's bench. And there was that <laughs> chaos with all the red cards, obviously what happened Sunday night, it's stemmed. It's based in like officiating. Like it, the, the refs are usually the cause of this, but like what we saw Sunday night was on, uncommon in the sense that we never see like three red cards going down to eight men, none of them being straight red. Like all of that was, that's rare, but what isn't rare is seeing loyal pick up red. So I, they, they led the league. And, you know, I, I mean, you say that sort of stuff and check me on this, but didn't we talk last year with Landon? Didn't San Antonio have that, statistic last season somebody had it i remember us having a conversation with somebody about an upcoming opponent who had been known to pick up cards and whether or not you can use their emotions against them and that landon i think had told us that that was very much part of the strategy that if they could go into a match and be a little bit of an agitator here they felt like they could light the fuse for the opponent can't help but wonder that with Oakland a little bit now. As I'm listening to you say that, I don't think that's going to get lost on Oakland roots. I don't think that's going to get lost on on anybody, you know, even at this level, that you're going to look and go, oh, okay, well, what is it that Loyal does very well? Okay, they score a bunch of goals. They connect a lot of passes. They're really good at possession. What is it you know, else that they, they're there at the top of the, the list for statistically? Oh, oh, wow, they pick up a lot of reds? Oh, maybe there's a way to use their emotions against them, especially on an emotional night where they're playing their very first ever home match and it would be hard to argue if they came in. Maybe it's too much credit given, but it would be hard to argue that they didn't figure out a way to get the emotions of Loyal, especially there starting in about the 76th minute, to use it to their advantage in this one, to walk out of there and advance to the next round where they'll face San Antonio. Yeah, and even at that point... The Do you remember that? Scene, the match Do you remember scene? that conversation from Landon? He, he said something about no, but they knew who gonna, they were playing. And back. I want to say that was San Antonio in the postseason. Obviously, it didn't work. I mean... And Loyal got shut out in that one. But uh, I, I do remember that at some point last season, having that conversation about, you know, just making sure, like, we, we know what there are. We know that they can run a little bit hot. Let's see if we can figure out a way to use that. That finished 2-0 last year in the postseason? And yes, we are searching for our first ever postseason win and first goal. ever postseason goal. We need a postseason goal. I think Landon said something down the stretch, was, which was very true. They can beat anyone and they could lose to anyone. I think that the exact quote was we could beat anyone and anyone can beat us something, yeah. something to that effect. And I honestly, I believe this of the eight teams that could have potentially played San Diego in that quarterfinal round. I think I would have chalked San Diego, San Diego up for a win in seven of those eight, but that extra one was Oakland that uh, mm. I just, I don't know what to make of this matchup and history tells me that it doesn't end well for us. Why? Yeah. I don't know. I don't get paid to know. But what I do know are the results. By the way, can we talk about uh, one one minor defeat that happened even before the match started? Are we allowed to tell everybody what happened with the Tory Greens? Oh, I think so. I don't know why this would be off 
topic. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, let's just do it, and if we get in trouble, we get. Yeah, in we trouble. apologize later <laughs> on this podcast. But remember when we had uh, Andrew Vasiliadis on? We said, Andrew, when you close your eyes, you think about a home playoff match. What do you see? And he said, Tory Green. We even talked about that. I think we might have used that soundbite last week on the podcast. You might think to yourself. Well, they went with the Sampre Leal shirt, which I think is a fine choice, by the way. I mean, that happens to be my favorite. But they didn't wear the Tory greens for a reason given to them by the USL. Oakland has a black jersey and has a dark green jersey. Right. And apparently Loyal... Those are their only kits. They were told that they could not wear the Tory greens in their very first home playoff match ever because it would be confusing to the referees who seem to have no problem figuring out where to give out cards, but it would be confusing to the referees if Loyal was to wear its Tory green shirts at home. That's actually what we should have done. We should have worn the Tory greens. Maybe the rest would have been confused right. and given Oakland all the red <laughs> cards instead of San Diego. What were we thinking? Go with the Tory green. Damn it, yeah. USL. I mean, you yeah, wanted Oakland, to wear your home shirt and, we can't and you couldn't do it. Because Oakland only has two kits. And neither one work well with Tory Green. Maybe if it helped confuse the refs, maybe we should have actually worn Tory Green. Right, but you took an L before you even showed up. Again, and I love the, I, I do love the Semperi Leal, but the chairman said he wanted to be wearing Tory Green. Was, yeah, I know. That's what we all, I mean, that's what we all pictured, right? Well, that was the question. Like, what do you picture? Home playoff game, San Diego Loyal. He's like, Torero Stadium sold out, Tory Green. That's what I pictured. Controversial, man. It's just controversial. I can't yeah. believe the league just just bent over like that and know. you know i mean what it's, make, it's loyal's problem that oakland doesn't have like another shirt great training tops they got to have something orange go bibs to, go give to them, dick's sporting goods man give them the it orange out. bibs they'll figure yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> took it out man i thought that was kind of a bad omen heading in even though like i said i love the sampre leal it is my favorite yeah i thought the padres and wave results were the bad omen um so yeah. We will have off-season episodes. We'll keep you posted on what the plan is for all of that. But we definitely wanted to get together this week, recap what happened Sunday night at Torero Stadium, and then recap the season itself as a whole. So we'll keep you updated on what's to come with the Always Loyal podcast. But the off-season is here sooner than any of us really wanted or expected. And uh, it is what it is. That's what happened. Yeah, it stinks. against Oakland. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It stinks. Yeah. I'm having a tough time, you know, convincing myself. You know, I, I loved so many moments from the season. I really did. Uh, yet another opportunity for us to get to meet some, some real class people, uh, people who absolutely love San Diego. And gosh, even the end of that match too, with Oakland celebrating in the corner and everybody had to wait to do the, we are San Diego thing. And just, you know, it was, it was quite the night. It was quite the night. I, we won't forget it. Hopefully it makes everybody stronger and, I look forward to seeing what this looks like next year. It'll take a while to get over this, but I look forward to seeing what it looks like. You know, again, the overwhelming majority of this club should remain intact. There will be questions about where they're going to play. Obviously, there's always going to be questions about the manager. Some of the players will get opportunities, I'm sure. You know, maybe some players will will uh, will want to play closer to wherever it is that home is, especially when you deal with a, a roster of of interesting internationals, but. You know, by and large, Jordan, uh, you know, that was, that was fun. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and everybody who was listening to this podcast. We got a lot of great feedback throughout the span of the season. So uh, we thank you very much for taking the time. And like Jordan said, we'll be talking to you during the off season. Baja bound driving to Mexico, visit Baja for the easiest way to get Mexican auto insurance for your trip.
Their easy to use website allows you to buy your Mexico insurance in minutes from your computer or any mobile device, BajaBound.com, serving Mexico travelers since 1994. 